This is Crossroads, the Get Religion podcast. I was mildly surprised when I read that Dr. Russell Moore was leaving the Southern Baptist Convention's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. I was more surprised when I read that he was leaving the Southern Baptist Convention. And then very recently, a series of letters appeared in the press, and they give us some insight as to why he left both. It turns out it has to do with ethics, not his bad ethics, but the bad ethics of some in the Southern Baptist Convention. Greetings and welcome to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the Weekly on Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion, and he's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. Russell Moore did receive a lot of media attention because of his criticism of President Donald Trump. Do you think that many in the media were surprised when Moore's reasons for leaving the Southern Baptist Convention turned out to have very little or nothing to do with the former president? Well, I don't think they were surprised. I also think that many people don't believe it. I mean, I think many people believe that the tensions that brought Moore down in large part began with the Trump era and with the primaries in particular and some of the blunt things that he said as well as many other moral and cultural conservatives said about Trump. And then you got into a period during the Trump administration where more many people felt he was either had been silenced or he was silencing and censoring himself in his letter if if you read it you know that more said no we basically needed to do what we had done with previous administrations that we had major differences with like the obama administration which was work with them when we could praise them when we could and attack them when we needed to so notice that that's kind of a subtle thing there I mean, you you can imagine there are people who were furious that he compared working with the Trump administration to working with the Obama administration. Needless to say, they would see it as a wholesale difference between those two. So you you get down into why did he actually leave, and clearly... The executive committee, the, the, the body that runs the Southern, Bab- Southern Baptist Convention, the executive committee at this point, it shows all the signs of having gone through major fights and major divisions behind closed doors in recent years. And not just the fact that, you know, the, the investigations of Moore and what were those investigations about, and not just the fact that you have some, a small number, but some significant Baptist churches were beginning to withhold their voluntary donations to the cooperative program fund, which is, you know, the the wallet on which the Southern Baptist Convention sits. And it's voluntary, but it's the at the heart of identity as a national level. Southern Baptist is what does your church do with the cooperative program? So you, you have the fact that one of the previous leaders of the executive committee is now 
the leading attacker of Russell Moore and is now one of the candidates to become president of the Southern Baptist Convention when they get to have an election this year. They didn't have an election, and J.D. Greer was granted an extra term. They normally serve for two terms, two one-year terms. Greer served for three because of COVID, and they didn't get to have a convention last year. So all of this has been percolating for a year. I found it interesting that the current leader of the executive committee had very positive things to say about Moore. So the implication is that the executive committee is divided, and I think we'll have to look. If you're looking at this as a journalism story, people really need to figure out who is who in the Southern Baptist Convention right now. And this is not going to be one of those situations where normal political and even doctrinal labels are going to work. Words like liberal and conservative or moderate and whatever. It really does seem to be more issue specific than that. One of the candidates for president of the SBC is Southern Seminary President Al Mohler. And if you look over the last 20 years of Southern Baptist life, or 20 years or more, Mohler has been the living embodiment of kind of the the conservative brain trust behind the Southern Baptist Convention. But now we have groups of people calling Moeller a liberal, in large part because of his friendship and support in the past for Russell Moore. All kinds of subtle divisions here that I hope we have a chance to talk about today because it's going to be fascinating to watch the press coverage. Luckily, there are reporters going who know the Southern Baptist Convention inside out. So it'll be fascinating to watch the coverage. But before we get to the the kind of the election results there within the Southern Baptist Convention, there are a number of layers here. There are layers of a blind eye allegedly turned toward allegations of sexual abuse in congregations or elsewhere in the Southern Baptist Convention. There is a strongly implied racism or racist language that more mm-hmm. more claims to have interacted with when yes. dealing with the the highest committee in that denomination how is that getting covered by the press well once again it will be interesting to see if anyone actually talks to african american southern baptist leaders because i think you're going to find that they are doctrinally as conservative as anyone in the southern baptist convention However, their quote-unquote political loyalties are not going to be blanket pro-Republican Party. And they're not going to be blanket pro-Democratic Party. As always, the black church has kind of its own prophetic voice on a lot of these things. I think we discussed in a previous podcast how coverage of critical race theory has failed to actually listen to what Southern Baptist Well, see, I'm running out of labels here. There's different groups of conservatives. Al Mohler and the presidents of the seminaries are being criticized for attacking parts of critical race theory. And it's crucial to stress the word parts. They do not believe that critical race theory are specifically discussions of systematic racism. They don't believe that those are things that need to stop in the church. And they They believe they should talk to the African-American church and the black church 
but they don't accept the essentially secular critique of race and culture and, and life that you see coming through critical race theory, which is a, a secular lens through which to see it. So they want to criticize some parts of critical race theory, but not others. If you were looking for what will happen on race at this convention, I would not be at all surprised if we ended up with another SBC ringing attack on racism, systematic racism, but stressing, kind of like I did on the podcast last week, that all of God's creation has been touched by the fall and sin, and that part of the problem with critical race theory is it seems to say that only white people are guilty of the sin of racism or are a part of systems in which racism and sin have affected life. I think you're going to hear the black church come out and say things much more like Martin Luther King Jr. would say, which is America is not a perfect society, but the goal is to call America to live up to its beliefs and creeds and to the best parts of American life. Well, a lot of people in CRT land don't believe America has a creed worth saving or that there are valid things to call people to live up to. So in the race issue at the convention, look for a division among conservatives on how to deal, on who is willing to deal with the growing number of African Americans and Latinos in Southern Baptist life. I, I think there's a distinct possibility that we'll get some sort of strong statement of compromise and that progress on the race issue might be made. But it's also possible that anger over what happened to Russell Moore could diffuse that among many African-American leaders because Russell Moore was one of the strongest defenders of the African-American churches in the SBC. And they thought he was important, and they think Al Mohler is important, but to a lesser degree, I guess, we'll have to see. And I think it's going to be really important for news consumers to try to get their hands on the actual documents or actually watch some of the speeches given themselves instead of just trusting the press to interpret this for us. But like I said before, there will be reporters at this convention who have a lot of experience covering the Southern Baptist Convention, and we can look for an attempt to listen to both sides without labeling them or... I'm sorry to keep stressing the label thing, but trying to separate the differences between different groups of conservatives is really important. And once again, I do think divisions in the Trump era had something to do with these, this kind of old guard Southern Baptist versus the, the, the younger leaders represented by Russell Moore and J.D. Greer, the outgoing president. And there's even a theological implication to some of this, which is the theology of many of the Trump leaders, and Moore, of course, was well known for attacking some of the folks who were at the head of the Trump religion team. And he even called them heretics and stuff like that. Well, in large part, that's a split between Moore's world and Mueller's world 
which is highly intellectual, Reformed Protestant Calvinist theology people versus the world of the Charismatics and kind of the power, prayer, prophets, and even health and wealth theology folks. And there's not a lot of love lost between those people. I don't know how that would come up at this convention, but you could listen for it. What did you make of the story that kind of broke the story, the RNS piece on the leaked letter? Well, it, one of the writers, as I mentioned in a piece for Get Religion, is Bob Smetana. And Bob is someone who has been in Nashville for several decades. He was even at one point a writer for the Lifeway Research Project, which is directly linked to the Southern Baptist Convention. And he also was the former religion writer of the Nashville Tennessean. To say that Bob has a few contacts in the Southern Baptist Convention would be one of the understatements of the year. Bob is one of the people that's going to be at the convention. Now, I'm sure that the far right of the Southern Baptist Convention, whatever label you will want to put on it other than what I just did, far right, the most culturally conservative elements of the Southern Baptist Convention I'm sure they would consider Bob Smetana to be someone whose reporting shouldn't be trusted at all because of his links to some of the structures of SBC life at one point in his career that would kind of be embraced or represent some of the forces similar to Russ Moore and uh, J.D. Greer and Beth Moore and others. I thought that story was basically sound, but at the heart of it all was the fact that somebody leaked them the Russell Moore letter to the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission trustees, and you could say, well, we know that Moore leaked it. I don't think we know that at all. I think there's a lot of different groups within the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission who would have been furious about his resignation and would want to defend him. So there are a lot of different people with a lot of different motives who would have leaked that letter. But in the age of email, Southern Baptist documents have a way of showing up online no matter what you think of the process. The key thing, to answer your question directly, the key thing about that first story is that it was backed by a verbatim copy of the letter so that you could read what Moore said himself and make your own judgment about that. And... That's where he says, this really wasn't about Trump. I actually felt I drew a lot of support from Trump supporters. And then he says, he says it's race was a crucial issue, but his big point, and I think this is the point that will dominate the convention, he said, our convention is divided about whether to truly oppose sexual abuse or to sort of passively sit back and take part in hiding some of the sexual abusers and some of the leaders of the congregations and leaders of the convention that have hid them or have taken part in hiding their deeds. And this gets us into um, a very complicated issue, which is the Southern Baptist Convention's attempts to deal with sexual abuse. I have no doubt whatsoever that when Russell Moore allowed Rachel Denholer at an actual SBC national event to directly criticize the executive committee of the SBC 
and coming very, very close to naming names and pointing fingers, that that's the fuse that blew up this bomb. And I think we can trust Russell more on that point, in part because if you go back and watch her speech, it really is a remarkably strong speech. There are parts of it that I can't believe that she said on the record sitting in an SBC convention, and it is explosive stuff because it has legal ramifications, including for the board. It has financial ramifications, and it seems to be striking right at the heart of whatever division exists within the Southern Baptist Executive Committee over the last four to five years. So I noticed that as soon as Bomsintana had written that story, Sarah Pulliam Bailey was tweeting things to the effect of, there's so much in this story, I don't know where to begin. Yeah. But she did manage to write a story. What do you make of it? Well, once again, she has another document. And she has a document that could have come from a number of sources, and it was posted at the Baptist Blogger, which is kind of a uh, clearinghouse. And frequently, Southern Baptist documents and internal correspondence and stuff will end up there. And this letter is kind of a farewell salute from Russell Moore to J.D. Greer. And once again, this is, this is an explosive text, and she quotes it at length, while at the same time, she can point to the full document at this website. And it's very clear that from J.D. Greer's perspective and Russell Moore, this is primarily a fight about sexual abuse with race coming in as a strong second in terms of the, the issues that are dividing Southern Baptist at this time. Sarah is someone with a lot of experience covering Southern Baptist and covering non-denominational evangelicals in general. And that's another part of this story because a lot of people, but I would point the finger again to Get Religion contributor Ryan Berg and, and others, have noted that a lot of the Southern Baptist Convention's membership loss in recent years, these people have not been leaving to go to liberal churches and they've not been leaving to vanish from religious life or even evangelical life. They've been leaving to join other conservative churches, and many of them have been leaving to join non-denominational churches. And um, and there we go again. There's that story that is so hard for the press to cover for, for reasons that I sympathize completely with the difficulties. The world of non-denominational Protestantism is so varied and so independent, and every church is one vote of their their board away from changing their policies. And some of those churches, to mention sex abuse, some of those churches would be would have been at the forefront of efforts to talk about sexual abuse and to do a great job with it and to say that fundamentalists and others aren't doing a good job of it. But then some of those churches, like, say, Willow Creek, turned right around and you had the Bill Hybels controversy and scandal where probably the face of non-denominational evangelicalism in America loses his pulpit over charges of sexual abuse and whether or not the church had hidden him 
and like maybe they knew more than they let on and maybe the the board didn't do as much to hold him accountable as possible the simple fact of the matter is that the world of independent non-denominational protestantism it makes the southern baptist convention look like the methodist or the catholics in terms of structure if if you think that the issue of sexual abuse is going to handle itself because you've left the Southern Baptist Convention and gone non-denominational, you can just say names like Bill Hybels and Ravi Zacharias and see that the problem is bigger than that. Uh, if I could use an image from C.S. Lewis, and I think this would be a good thing for people, especially those who know they're Lewis, but for other people to hang their hats on. Lewis talked a lot about the temptation of trying to enter what he called the inner ring. And of course, he was talking about his own experiences in academia, at Oxford, and the compromises you make to get the people who are powerful and the people who have the inner ring of power. People are tempted to compromise with them and move into the inner ring and thus think they're safe and think they're in a position to influence great organizations. Well, folks, I think it's really important to realize right now that the, at the top of the Southern Baptist Convention, it appears there are competing rings of power. And that one of those rings, you could call them the old guard, seems to have really deep roots into the agenda and the personal style of the conservative revolution that toppled the old moderate guard of the Southern Baptist Convention in the late 80s and early 90s. And the figure who's still with us from that is Paige Patterson. And you'll see his name come up in a lot of these discussions as one of the people who's certainly was a, a blunt man when it comes to talking about what he thinks of the rights of women and how to handle women in the convention and the need for kind of an old-school masculine approach to leadership. Then meanwhile, you have this new guard, this new inner ring, and which Russell Moore was certainly a member of, Al Mohler was certainly a member of, J.D. Greer seems to be a member of, Beth Moore was a member of. And this group is much more of a Calvinist, Reformed background, much more intellectual in their approach to faith, and they are very, very theologically conservative. But their willingness to work with the issues of the day, whether it's sexual abuse or race or economic justice or whatever, their willingness to work with those issues is just completely different than some of the folks who went straight with Trump and went straight with that old guard in the SBC. I wish there were simpler words that I could use to describe these things, but there are not. And how these different competing conservatisms get described at the convention is going to be one of the, it's going to be the story of the press story, if you get my drift. You mentioned people exiting kind of at the lay level or the congregational level. Where did Russ Moore go? Well, he went to a non-denominational evangelical church, but one that is a part of a conservative movement, I think it's going to be very interesting to watch in the next week or so to see if anything is published about the Southern Baptist Convention 
at the website of the major evangelical, reformed evangelical group, the Gospel Coalition, because that's kind of the brain trust of this other kind of younger, more theologically... Once again, the word conservative fails. It's a different kind of conservatism. And Calvinist will do, because that's accurate for the vast majority of them, but the young Turks, so to speak, of the convention, which in some of those people are now in their 50s and 60s, the young Turks and the people who align with them, they have the outgoing president. Al Mohler is seeking the presidency of the Southern Baptist Convention. And if I, if, if you had told younger Terry Mattingly, Terry Mattingly 20 to 25 years ago, if you had told me that there would be a day when Al Mohler would be called a liberal by some key people in the Southern Baptist Convention, I would have said you're absolutely out of your mind. But that day has come, and we will have to see what happens, because whoever is elected president will control another crucial issue, and that is, does there's going to be debate on the floor, I assume it will make it to the floor, of a motion by Grant Gaines and Ronnie Parrott, two well-known Southern Baptist pastors, and they have some connections, to say the least. They have proposed a motion, and let me read part of it to our listeners. We move that the messengers ask the newly elected president of the Southern Baptist Convention to appoint a task force to hire a third party to investigate the allegations made against the executive committee of the SBC in said letters, referring to the more letters, including but not limited to allegations of mishandling of sexual abuse cases, the mistreatment of sexual abuse victims, a pattern of intimidation, and resistance to sexual abuse reform initiatives, obviously in the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, when you consider that one of the other candidates is, as mentioned in Sarah's article, his name is Mike Stone, and Mike Stone was one of the leaders of the executive committee at the very moment that some of these abuses supposedly took place. He is not so much indicted in these letters as much as he is kind of shadow-canceled in these letters, to use a term from our current culture wars. He also is a leader in the alternative conservative Baptist network, which is a nationwide coalition of very, very, very conservative Southern Baptists from a cultural and political point of view. And these are the people who have done the most to oppose Russell Moore, J.D. Greer, Beth Moore, and now Al Mohler. So you actually have, I mean, let's put it this way. If Mike Stone is elected president of the Southern Baptist Convention, do you think there's any chance that he'll appoint that task force to study (laughs) himself and other members of the executive committee from that era? I would assume not. So this is one of the two big things to watch for, what happens to this motion and what happens, of course, to the presidency of the SBC. With about 30 seconds here, I note that if that were to pass, it would be perhaps a acknowledgement, a tacit acknowledgement, that 
internal investigations in this case are probably not going to work. What are your final thoughts with about 30 seconds? Well, it will be very interesting to see what groups are nominated to be that third party to do the investigation. There are groups directly linked to investigations of sexual abuse, and Rachel Dentholer is a major player in some of those. There are organizations linked to the extended Billy Graham world, and there are several kind of independent investigative agencies that have emerged in evangelicalism in the last, oh, five, six, seven years. I would urge reporters to go ahead now and start looking up who these agencies might be to see who would do the investigation itself. Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. He is author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion, and he's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, thank you very much for your time. Glad to be here. I'm Todd Wilkin. I'll talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. Crossroads is a production of Get Religion, part of the First Amendment projects at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. If you appreciate this podcast, please make a secure online tax-deductible donation at getreligion.org.